0: If you listened to the last episode, you know already that this is not going to be a fun episode, but it is important. It's necessary for us to talk about, especially if we want to do the best job possible to take care of the youth in our ministries. So in this episode, we're going to talk about kind of what a child abuser looks like, recognizing some of the red flags that they may give off. We're going to go over some of the policies that we need to have in place to protect our youth and our organization from child abuse and allegations of child abuse, and we're going to talk about why we are sometimes hesitant to report signs of child abuse when we think we notice them, and why the reasons that we are hesitant don't actually make any sense when we really think about it. My name is Michael Collins, this is the Maximize Youth Ministry Podcast. The show exists to help you gain skill and confidence in your youth ministry, and I hope that. Today's episode is helpful to you in some way. So let's get into it. There are a ton of horrifying statistics online about child abuse. And I was going to start this episode off by reading through some of those just to give us a better understanding of the problem. But I'm already expecting this episode to go long and you can find the statistics for yourself. So I think I'm going to cut to some of the things that are more important. But one thing that I do want to mention is that the majority of child abuse is not caught or reported most of it goes unnoticed and when people are caught when child predators are finally reported and arrested it's been years since they started abusing children and they've done it to dozens of kids so we have to be on our guard and willing to report anything that we see let's talk about what does a child abuser look like this is the scariest part of the whole thing to me because a child abuser Especially, mainly talking about child predators here, uh, pedophiles, sexual abusers, more so than physical child abuse. But a child predator looks almost identical to probably your version of the ideal youth ministry volunteer. There's somebody who is great with kids, who knows how to relate to them, who's high energy, outgoing, charismatic, friendly, appears to be trustworthy... That's the kind of person that child abusers generally tend to be. And I don't know about you, but that freaks me out. Because I'm looking, it feels like I'm actively looking for people to work in youth ministry who fit the description of a, the general child abuser. Now, thankfully, the majority of people who are great with kids, outgoing, charismatic, appear to be trustworthy... Most of them are actually trustworthy and are great with kids because they care about kids they want to do ministry. So I'm not saying you need to, anytime somebody volunteers and they seem like they're a great volunteer, make sure you don't let them anywhere near the kids because they're probably a child abuser. No, they're probably not a child abuser, but child abusers are probably going to be charismatic and seemingly trustworthy and great with kids and they're not the creepy 50-year-old man in a trench coat hiding in the corner that we see in cartoons and movies and things like that. So what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to recognize child abusers and keep them out of our ministry? There are some red flags that we can look out for. One of them is if the person seems to jump from job to job a lot, if they move around a lot, if they are applying for a job at your ministry, and you can see that they have a history of working with kids for very short-term periods of time and changing locations and jobs often without an obvious good reason. That can be a red flag. Now, if you work at a summer camp, that probably sounds like the person you're trying to hire to be a camp counselor. So again, it's tough. Not every person Who moves around a lot and works with kids is a child abuser. So don't take that away from this podcast episode. But just be aware that most of the time child predators are going to move around a lot. Another red flag is that they will often have a favorite child. They'll single one kid out and seem to make that one their favorite. Or they spend most of their time hanging out with one specific child. Um, because they're grooming them and they're trying to manipulate them to lower their defenses so they can take advantage of them. So if they seem to have one favorite child or especially if they've been in your ministry for a while or if you've seen them interact with kids over a longer term, if they seem to have a favorite child and it seems to change every so often that they have a new favorite child, that's definitely a red flag. Another one is if they're overly affectionate with physical touch. If they're very often giving hugs, tickling, wrestling, anything like that, and more so if they're initiating it more than the kids are, that's another red flag. Also, if they make comments about a child's appearance on a fairly regular basis, and then eventually, if this continues, and if the person is a child, predator, the comments are going to turn inappropriate at some point. Another red flag is if they give a lot of flattery, to you, maybe if you're a parent or the teacher or the person who's has the authority to give them access to the kids, they might flatter you, they might flatter the kids, they might flatter themselves. These people are experts at manipulating children and manipulating adults. They know how to gain people's trust. That's how they take advantage of kids, is they gain the trust of the kids, they gain the trust of the parents or the caretakers, and they are able to get what they want. So if they seem to be flattering you, flattering the kids, overly charismatic, or maybe just talking themselves up, talking about their accomplishments to try to impress you, that can be a red flag. Another one is anything that they say that maybe drives a wedge in any way between the kids and the parents. Or, you know, kids get frustrated with their parents all the time. If a child comes to this person and they're irritated at their parents, a child abuser will probably say something like, oh yeah, your parents just don't understand you. I know how they get sometimes. Instead of trying to reconcile the relationship between the child and the parents, they'll say something that makes the child not like their parents even more or justifies their anger and makes them feel more connected or understood by the child abuser. So that's a red flag. Another one if, if somebody offers to help out or volunteers to help out with the kids for seemingly no reason, and again, this is frustrating because a lot of times we're constantly trying to get more volunteers in our youth ministry, so now I'm telling you that it's a red flag when somebody volunteers to be in the youth ministry it's not I'm not saying that anytime somebody asks you to help out with the kids, you need to immediately be suspicious, but the more of these things that we are aware of, the easier it's going to be for us to recognize um so that is you know child abusers they want access to the kids they want to be around they want to be trusted so that they can more easily take advantage of the kids another red flag is if a person starts to say anything about a child being untrustworthy or that a specific child or teen often lies or just you can't believe anything that they say well that's a red flag because they're possibly trying to set you up to disbelieve the kid if the child comes to you and says that something happened. Because we don't want to believe it when it happens. We don't. But we need to at least report it anytime we see the signs. The majority of child abusers, of child predators, are male. Like 80 or 90% are male. But not all of them are male. So there are some, some red flags that are more specific to female abusers. Because it's so much less likely for a woman to be a child abuser, a lot of times if a woman is abusing children, it is connected to a male or to her boyfriend or husband. They're kind of doing it together. Maybe she is in an abusive relationship and the, the, her husband or boyfriend is a child abuser and has, has roped her into it through fear or manipulation or whatever else. Maybe if, if she is in a rough part of life, she doesn't see any way out. If Child abuse can often be, well, maybe not often. Child abuse can sometimes be a way that people deal with their unhappiness when they're struggling with their life. So keep an eye out for that. And then one other thing that we don't often think about when it comes to child abuse is that a large number of child abusers are not adults. It's other kids. So when we are bringing groups of kids together, we need to make sure that we're aware of that and have policies and things in place to pr- protect against that. And then we have a whole nother list of possible red flags when we're talking about adolescent child abusers or child predators that are also children. I don't know. It's a weird way to try to say it. Anyway, the red flags are children that have previously experienced abuse themselves. They've had some sort of trauma, physical, emotional, sexual and they're not in therapy they're they don't haven't really dealt with it kids that are bullies if they're aggressive if they try to control other kids also can be red flags they may seem to have a sense of superiority or like they're the boss they have special privileges they're not like all these other kids they're more mature or whatever else it is that they are thinking in their own head if they struggle with pornography especially at a very young age That can be a red flag. If they don't understand human sexuality, if they don't understand sex and the proper place of sex in humans' life, kids can try to experiment and figure things out themselves without the guidance of an adult or without any kind of education, just kind of guessing, and it ends up becoming child abuse. That situation is not necessarily malevolent or manipulative, it's just... If kids are not educated, they try to figure things out themselves, and sometimes that it can put them in some very awful situations. All of those are red flags, um, and that was kind of a crash course, rushed through it a little bit, just trying to make everything fit into this 10-20 to 20 minute podcast episode. But there are a lot of resources online, and I highly recommend, if you have not already, Go through some sort of mandated reporter child abuse training. There's organizations that do it for free. There's organizations that you can pay to come in and do it. The government offers free online training. So do something. Just learn more about this. Make sure you and everyone at your youth ministry is educated on this topic, even though it's not going to be fun to learn about. But let's get into some of the policies, some of the things that I think you should have in place at your youth ministry to help protect against your protect your youth against being abused and to protect your organization and your staff from allegations of child abuse because allegations themselves can destroy ministry even if nothing happened so the biggest one the most important one is the rule of three you probably already follow this hopefully if not implement it right now but the rule of three is simply you never have anyone alone with a child there's never an adult and a child alone together. There's never a child and a child alone together. And you follow this rule all the time, regardless of how inconvenient it gets, because it will. You will come up with, have situations where it's inconvenient, where it'd be easier if you, you know, your assistant or whoever could just take this child into the other room t- to deal with some problem or, or whatever else. But you don't do that. You've always follow the rule of three. Now I know, one-on-one conversations are. Incredibly important, especially in youth ministry. We need to have times to talk with kids one on one and let them open up when they maybe aren't going to want to have those conversations in front of everybody. And we can do that. I'm not saying that we can't do that. I'm just saying that we need to be very intentional with the location of those conversations. I go over this in the Tough Case 101, available at MaximizeYouthMinistry.com. Again, a little shameless plug there, but when you're going to have pull a child aside and have a conversation about discipline or about whatever else you need to, you need to make sure you're in a location that is not locked away from everyone else. You need to either be visible at a distance or you need to be somewhere that is high traffic where anybody could walk in at any point. It's not behind a locked door or anything like that to make sure that Any place, basically, that would be very, very inconvenient, if not impossible, for a child abuser to try to use as an opportunity to abuse a child. A few other policies is staff, youth ministers, people who are working with kids, never initiate hugs with kids. If kids ask for hugs, that's great. Give them a hug. But any sort of physical touch is always for the kids. It's never for you. You, if a kid wants a hug, give them a hug. If, but you don't go around and ask kids for hugs. Your staff shouldn't do that either. Your other volunteers should not do that. Another one: never let any kids be picked up or sit on anyone's lap. Um, if a kid wants to sit on your lap, you don't. Hey, I, you can't sit on my lap, but maybe you can sit right here next to me. That's fine, you know. But we don't let anybody sit on anybody's lap. You don't pick kids up and carry them around. Um, now, obviously, you know, if a kid falls and twist their ankle and they can't walk. I'm not telling you it's a horrible idea for you to scoop them up and carry them inside while you wait on their parents to come pick them up and take them to the ER. But just in general, tell your staff, tell your volunteers, tell yourself, write it down somewhere as a policy that kids aren't to be picked up by staff members. Also, you cannot give gifts to specific children without a reason, without it being their birthday or something like that. That is another red flag is... A child abusers will often give gifts to their favorite child. It's a grooming technique. They're trying to earn the child's trust. So write it down in your policies that you can't give gifts to just one kid or a small number of kids. If you're gonna bring something for the kids, that's great, but you gotta give it to everybody. It's not just a one-on-one situation. And then also, no one is to have regular communication, online regular online communication with any kids in your youth ministry. I mentioned like two episodes back in helping youth communicate that it's good for us to be accessible to the kids on social media, that they can send us a message, they can talk to us if they need to. And I believe that is still true. I recommend you listen to that episode. Um, But something that I mentioned in there is using a social media account that other people have access to. Don't use something like Snapchat where the messages are deleted and don't make it a habit. That's what I'm adding in this episode is you shouldn't be regularly chatting with kids through text messages, through email, through social media, through anything like that. It's great for them to be able to contact you that way in case they need to talk about something because it's easier for kids to communicate through text or social media than it is face to face a lot of times. But don't make it a regular routine part of your day. And then finally, everybody has to pass a background check to work in your ministry in any capacity whatsoever. If you're at a camp on it, it doesn't matter if it's housekeeping, cafeteria, lifeguarding, anything. If they're going to be involved in your ministry, I recommend you have them pass a background check. Also, make sure your staff understand who is going to be regularly interacting with the kids and who they can expect to see interacting with the kids and who it would be odd to see talking to the kids or interacting with them for a long time. And that might sound strange, but let me explain what I mean a little bit. Let's say you're at a school. It's perfectly normal to see a teacher and a student walking through the hall together talking to each other. It'd be a little weird to see a a student and a cafeteria lady or a janitor walking and talking to each other down the hall for an extended period of time. Hopefully that all the staff in your ministry have a great relationship with the kids and they all are playing together and interacting. But for some of them, longer interactions or walking somewhere together it should be a red flag to you. It should seem a little odd. And now let's talk about why sometimes it is hard for us to report child signs of child abuse when we think we see it. Well, the first reason is the same as what I was talking about before. Child abusers are typically very charismatic. They're, they appear trustworthy. They maybe are a family member or a friend. And when we see these signs, we don't think, Oh, the, the, that person seems like a child abuser, so that this is definitely child abuse. We need to report this. It's, that was a little weird, but I trust so and so. So there's no way that that actually is what it kind of looks like. You know, child abusers are able to abuse kids because the people that are responsible for taking care of those kids trust them. Like I said, they're master manipulators. They earn your trust, they make you disbelieve what you're seeing. And then nothing gets done because nobody reports anything. And we might be afraid of offending the person, offending our friend by saying that it looks like you're abusing a child here. Or we might be afraid of negative ramifications for our ministry. We think, oh, well, you know, if people hear that we made our child abuse report, then they're going to think that there's child abuse happening here. Um, and they're not going to trust us with their kids anymore, you know but n- none of these concerns are really justified because if you think about it, whether let's say that the, you suspect you your friend you're the clo- person you're closest with at your ministry, you see something that looks like child abuse. The most loving thing you can do for your friend is report that because if they are abusing a child, they need to be arrested and get help as quickly as possible Um, because it is more loving for you to stop them by force from what they're doing than it is to allow them to continue abusing children. And if your friend is not abusing the child and it simply is giving the appearance that something maybe is going on, it's still more loving for you to report them because if it looks like it, it might look like it to other people too. And then rumors can start going around, and that can seriously negatively affect your friend's reputation. Versus if it's reported, it's investigated, and your friend is cleared immediately, that's significantly better than, I don't know, they were doing some fishy stuff one time. I don't know if we can trust that person. You know, you want it to be reported, you want it to be investigated by the professionals. It's better for everybody involved. And if we're worried about ramifications on our ministry, that people aren't going to trust our ministry, I don't think that that is a good enough reason to not report child abuse for one, but it also kind of falls apart when you think about it. Because as a parent, you're going to want to send your kids somewhere that you know takes this seriously and reports anything that they see versus somewhere that is more likely to sweep it under the rug. So a ministry reporting a sign of child abuse should be a green flag, um, a good sign that, hey, you can trust your kids at this ministry because they're going to report anything fishy. So we don't need to be worried about that either. So if you see something, if you notice anything that seems odd, report it. What you don't want to do is confront the child abuser yourself or try to do any investigating on your own. If a kid tells you something that you think needs to be reported, you report it. You don't confront the person that they accuse that the child accused of of mistreatment or anything negative because like i've told you multiple times now child predators are master manipulators if you confront them they likely will convince you that no- it was all a misunderstanding and nothing was going on and then they'll be able to continue of using kids and it will never be reported okay Don't try to do any investigating yourself. Just call in and report. Like I said at the end of the last episode, there are people who are paid by the government to professionally investigate these situations. Call it in, report it, answer their questions. It's easy. And then you've done everything that you are responsible for doing. But if you do not report something and it turns out that child abuse was taking place at your ministry, that is on you. So don't take it lightly, don't sweep it under the rug, say something. If you see something, say something. If something feels off, report it. All right. I hope this is helpful to you. There's a few links in the description that I think you need to check out. Great tips, great advice, some of the websites I used when planning this episode. And remember to love the kids all the time, no matter what. I hope you enjoyed that episode. At the time of recording this, we have five reviews on Apple Podcasts and four on Spotify. I would love it if you could go and increase that number by one. It'd mean a lot to me and let me know that you are out there, you're listening, and you're enjoying the show. Thank you so much for listening.